Yeah, like there's all these weird things that happen with programs that have a lot of drama. You don't see that here. And I think that is a really good sign that this was a pretty major change that happened with the program. Kirby Smart was able to kind of keep it as a, well, we did this and we did this and we did this. And it all seemed to happen in a logical drama-free way, when the fact is it probably wasn't very drama-free. I think that's generally a sign of a healthy program. What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 221 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. That voice you heard was obviously my co-host, Will Leach, and he was referring to how civil he felt that the hiring of new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin was. And my other co-host, Tony Waller, and I join Will on this episode to discuss the offseason moves that the dogs have made in the offensive coaching staff and what we think it might mean for the 2020 season. Also in this episode, the guys and I talk about Georgia basketball and what, if anything, they can do to get back on the NCAA bubble with 14 SEC games left on the schedule. We also touch on Georgia baseball as their season starts in earnest on February 14th. And of course, there's the buy or sell section and it's a Super Bowl edition, of course. And we answer your Twitter questions as well. So as we begin, just know that like many episodes, we simply hit record and just start talking. And it so happens that's the case here. As we're talking about traveling and what the criteria is in order to count whether or not you've actually been to a state. I know it's completely off topic, but it does not take long for us to jump into actually why you're here. And that's Georgia football talk that y'all showed up for. So hope you enjoy episode 221. Here's Will to get it all started. I've driven through Utah, but I don't think yeah. it counts. That's the rule, right? The rule is that you can't... It be, in my, I, there, was a, there was a great Slate podcast about this a few years ago, where if you... How it counts to have actually stepped foot in a state. Right. And sleeping there absolutely counts. Yeah. But just being in the airport and not leaving the airport does not count. Okay. See, Driving through and just stopping for gas count, does not count. I count Salt Lake City because we were in an airplane that had to refuel. Were you and flying in 1937? No. Interesting story. It was in 2013. We flew San Francisco to Atlanta. Had to stop in Salt Lake City to refuel. Could you? You know why? It's because the day before was that Ariana Airways crash at SFO. Oh. And it was sitting on the runway. Like oh, you wow. saw out. that plane? And we left the next day. And so I, I think Walker was about five, and he's got his outer monologue going, talking about the plane crash as we're taxing out. I'm going like, you know, that Jonah Hill meme, yes, yes, like, hey, yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. So the reason why is we had to take off the different direction towards the mountains ah, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. and you, couldn't, and you couldn't bring it. They had to burn fuel. more fuel. And so we had to land at Salt Lake City. Oh, that's really But anyway, weird. I count that as uh, that I've been to Utah. Uh, I don't know. That's lame. But, um, you know, that's just a. But, so, I mean, that, that, but some people say that, like, if you've stepped foot at all. <laughs> I never counts. left the plane. Yeah. So. No, it's it does not count. Feels like it's a, lame. Yeah. I admit Having it. seen the Great Salt Lake does not count. Yeah. yeah. We were, we were, I peered out the window. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm in Utah. Yeah. But some people even think that, like, if you drive through and stop for gas, that doesn't count no. either. I think that doesn't count. I have to say, I think you actually have to experience. Do something. You have to do something. Okay. It can be just like have lunch. Oh, it can be okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, you have to do something other okay. than just drive through and stop for gas. That's fair. Well, That's in that fair. case, I wouldn't have be able to claim Tennessee that much. That was a joke. I think it's perfectly fine for you not to spend any money in the state of Tennessee, other than you know what you have to to get to Knoxville. 
Well, we do have a lot of uh, Nash Vegas. We do have a lot of Twitter questions that are lining up. I sent out a tweet that we were going to surprise. We're surprise. doing a podcast, and there's some. There's a lot. Well, of some of us knew we're doing a podcast. Yes, this is mainly mainly Will. Yeah, yeah. I, can, I can I can tell that uh, that you did not have that on your schedule because I saw on Twitter that you uh, were like, "We'll probably do a show by the end of the month." And right. I was like, "Someone doesn't have the Monday show <laughs> on his calendar." Uh, I'm a little rusty, by the way. I, I've been I'm recovering from a cold a little bit, but uh, so so I'm more husky. Than usual. I'm usually quite husky, but today well, I'm particularly I, husky. I am considerably less husky because I'm doing dry January. My skin is awesome. I've lost 74 pounds. <laughs> That's right. That's well, no, no, no. I take that back. I've lost no weight, and I'm just pissed I'm not drinking. You're just angry. Angry Tony. Um, so since we didn't really have... Or I didn't have this on the schedule, and neither did Tony. So only one Tony of Tony had I know my schedule. I'm okay. just being nice yeah, to yeah, you. Okay. Yeah. T- well, Tony was the one that put it on the schedule. <laughs> so what I wrote down was just some topics, and we can either cover them or not cover them. Right. Uh, but I figured it would at least give us, give us a jumping off point. Well, we certainly have a, some big news to sure. kick off with. Yeah. So let me see so if I'm right. We're not straight striving for things to talk about on this one. So UGA Cade Mays lawsuit, uh, basketball. Okay. Super Bowl. I hate that you laugh after you say the word basketball. No, I feel like I'm he's reading topics I'm, for I'm, for Jeopardy. I'm, I'm laughing because Kate of May's lawsuit. Basketball. Potent potables. I'm laughing at how general it, it is. starts with Q. Yeah, uh, you know you can talk about Dr. James Naismith when yeah, I just say basketball, yeah, yeah. Uh, football, ticket renewals. They're going out for mm-hmm. Georgia season tickets because I know I got mine. Uh, recruiting national signing day and uh, Georgia baseball. And we probably should talk about what's going on with offensive coordinators and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That's I feel like that's nice why we're here, right, to talk yeah. about the new offensive coordinator and the big decision Wait. that we were all waiting to see if they were going to make. I is did. there a new? Is there a new decision? I did yeah. write that down. Yeah, it's good. I oh, hope yeah. so. It's on the second page of that. topics. <laughs> I hope you wrote that down. <laughs> Are you talking? Like about this is like we're one step away from an emergency podcast to do this, but uh, <laughs> this, Fair is like, this is like after the SC championship game, saying, "Okay, so here's some of the things that I have." Yeah, uh, I have. Hey, I'll, where, where's LSU going to end in the rankings? And, uh, yes. You know, and that's why this works so well, because I just kind of march to a different beat than y'all do. And <laughs> yeah, but totally I assume cool. you would march to the beat of Georgia just hired a new offensive coordinator. Kate Mays lawsuit. <laughs> the color of shoes. I've got UGA coaches right here. And he does have it highlighted. I yeah, even right. have Buster Faulkner oh. written down, and he yeah. was hired today. Or Buster, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then to, and then Todd uh, Munkin. Monkey, I keep yeah, wanting to call Munkin. him Jeff. Yeah. Because that's a brother. Yeah. Is he the Army guy? Yes. Well, yes. No, he's not Army. He coaches. Or cousin. Cousin. I mean, they're both Munkins. Of the, of the football Munkins. Well, they're football, let's start with football Munkin. So, yeah, so to me, we'll get into Munkin uh, himself specifically <laughs> Munkin. in a second. Munkin. Is it Munkin or Munkin? Munkin. 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 Like it, Mattoon. Like Munkin. Munk, Munkin. Like a Munchkin, but an Inkin. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Got it. Or is that? Never mind. Yeah. What? Oh, I almost, I almost stepped in it. Okay. That's I'm called self-censoring. Good. good. Good call. Gentlemen um, and ladies. Ladies and gentlemen. It's... I'm a little bit off my game. So, I, had, I, had, I just had a really tall cup of coffee. And yet still talking. <laughs> Letting these things off the game. I'm going to take We're a step still back. still going. Uh, that's the Well, the good news that's is when coffee. Scott's done, I'll be able to drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So to me, we'll get into Munkin um, specifically in a moment. To me, the, I think the major news item here is... This is what we talked about at the end of the year podcast at uh, at our sponsor, uh, the Pub on Main, when we yeah. had our whole discussion of 
So it looks like maybe he's not going to make it. Kirby's not going to make any change with the offense, or is he? The idea is he going to be stubborn? Is he going? Is he going to stick with this guy Coley? And you know, I, for those that were paying very close attention, even though signs seem to be pointing to him not doing anything and sticking with Coley, he never explicitly said James Coley is going to be my offensive coordinator next year. He kept his powder dry, I guess, as the uh, as the phrase go goes. And when an opportunity struck, and the idea of someone who was an offensive coordinator for Cleveland in a situation that was a very bad one for him, uh, and uh, that was no fault of his own. Uh, the idea that he saw this guy available and leapt to get him, uh, I think speaks tells us several things. Uh, one, uh, and I think the most important one, is the worry about man ball Kirby. And we'll see. Kirby Smart's still the coach of the team. He is still in charge. But the idea that he's like, nope, Coley's my guy, and I'm sticking with my guy, which I think was what we were afraid of. Not so much Coley, not so much that Coley stunk or anything like that, but the idea that Kirby Smart was like, you know what? Nope, this is the way that I do it, and I'm sticking with it regardless of what you guys tell me. This is a, definitely a sign, and maybe Munkin will work out, and maybe he won't work out, but this strikes me as a sign of, you know what? He is not going to say, this is the way it is because I'm the coach and uh, figure it out. I, I, whether that's because he's just this flexible guy, whether it's because he heard so much this year that couldn't ignore it, one way or the other, we have an answer to the question, is Kirby Smart going to dig his heels in and be stubborn? The answer to that is no. And probably more importantly is that he didn't make a big deal out of it. He's just like, you know what? There is a very good offensive-minded coach who does that passing shit. That we want to do. And let's, let's be clear. You hear people talking about Todd Monk and like, he's air raid guys. And he's, I love when, it, when they did it with him, he actually put air raid in quotes. Yeah. He's like, I was yeah. an air raid guy. Right. And to be fair, that's also just a fun way to make fun of Mike Leach. Yes. Except you can do that. Of course. You should, you should do so. Another thing that's happened since we talked last. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it, go ahead. And the, and the important thing about it is, the, um, is, you know, with the hire of Buster Faulkner, <clears throat> who I think Monk and Coached in Dallas State. That, uh, Faulkner was hired today. Faulkner was hired today as a quote unquote offensive analyst. Mm. Interesting thing about that: his last job until uh, probably yesterday, I think, or maybe wasn't retained. I don't know. He was the offensive coordinator for Southern Miss. Mm. You don't leave an offensive coordinator position for an analyst position unless you were pushed out. So, if you're counting at home, dear friends. That means we have one, probably one too many offensive coaches on staff. Yeah, there's five listed. Right. Well, well, well right five now. Five former offensive coordinators. Right, five former offensive coordinators. I do not think you can downplay enough that Kirby now has not one but two former head football coaches mm-hmm. on his staff. Monken coached uh, Southern Miss uh, also. And, of course, Matt Luke. And he left that to go to uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Yeah, right. he, he left. Uh, if you talk to Southern Miss people, he was pushed out. It's hard to say. He I mean, generally people don't <clears throat> leave, even if it's college to the pros. Right. They don't leave head jobs to be a coordinator somewhere entirely on their own. Who was he under in Tampa Bay? Uh, Arians. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is the one that got... He's the one that got Jameis Winston the contract extension. And then he right. left to go to Cleveland, and Jameis Winston throws 30 interceptions, right? Right. And, 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 and then just for, for those of you that don't know the Cleveland situation, 
it was a disaster oh, from the get-go. And like he was like openly complaining to reporters about yeah. he's not the one call, play, calling plays. Uh, Cleveland was clearly a disaster really from the get-go this year. It was a bad situation regardless of the fact that, that – uh, I don't know if they would have kept him or not kept him. Clearly it's a, it was a toxic situation he wanted nothing to do with. Right. It was so bad that Freddie Kitchens was fired after one year of coach. Yeah. I the, mean, Munger was literally not calling the plays. Which, which, which in, the, in the, You don't see that very often in college football. You definitely do not see that in the pros. Unless, unless it's someone like a, a, King, a Kingsbury. Yeah. Or it's like clearly like you're brought here to do offense and then he's just like go do defense stuff. Which gets me to the point that a lot of people – I don't know if anybody's missed this, but it's a point I like to make, so I'm going to make it. Uh, which is after what Todd Munkin went through at Cleveland, it is hard to imagine he accepted this offensive coordinator, coordinator position without some pretty strong assurances from Kirby Smart that he was going to be able to run the offense the way he wants to see fit. Otherwise, by take the position. I mean, Kirby Smart's still Kirby Smart, and he is still the head football coach and the, the, the brain trust of the program. If you want to point at something that gives me, makes me happy about Kirby Smart's management style is that he is willing to look at what... Um, He's willing to look at what might work and think in terms of, okay, here is what I want to see out of the program. Uh, And if it means I have to be a little less um, OCD in control of things, then so be it. Um, he's he's orgeronning it. He's orgeronning it. Well, I mean, I, and I think a lot of a lot, especially defensive coaches, are doing that. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, we are staring at. Um, we don't know what next year's offense is going to bring, right? But well, if you, way, we'll talk about the quarterback too, of right? And of course, we'll talk about the quarterback. But you know, in a lot of ways, we've we have seen the fruits of the labor. If you simply say no, this is the offense we want to run. Now, I think they were careful to say they were careful to avoid the word spread and um, air raid, <laughs> air raid. Uh, in, in anything. But they did talk about explosiveness, explosiveness. Um, and one of the things that you want to when you look at this is that, I mean, particularly with the Jamie Newman signing, um, it is not hard to see where there are some pieces that are coming together for Georgia to be more explosive. And for no other reason, when you start thinking about the scheme, um, hey, we could be sitting here a year from now and doing the same, talking about exactly the same thing. Um, a Schottenheimer situation. Yeah, Schottenheimer situation. I, I, I like to think of it this way. We, we don't really know what the bright yellow light um, coming towards us is. But, you know, at this, <laughs> at this point, we're just kind of like taking – Oh, from High Life, Willow. Take Willow's hand and just yeah, go towards it because right. we don't know what happens there, but it could be good. It could be bad. It's left to our imagination. It's a farm upstate. You're either roaming free You're or roaming free, you're right? Doing the, you're, just, you're just telling the kids that that's it's, what you're doing. Telling the kids that's what so, you're doing. So, Tony, I got a question. This uh, former OC at Southern Miss, Buster Faulkner, that was hired today as a quality control analyst, is that kind of what Nick Saban does with analysts on the field, like what he had done with Butch Jones? And I don't mean to disparage him because we always laughed at Butch Jones. So what's he is he just going to be the 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 watcher to make sure that they're practicing correctly or I don't even know. Are you asking me what I know or what I think? Both. <laughs> well, what I know is that we have on um, a former OC who was not fired at his last job coming in to be an offensive analyst, which is and really How does that count towards It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Which is hard to get your head around, yeah, right? Right, right, um, right, right, right? What I think is it's some combination of Coley 
if I had to say, I would think Coley, but some combination of Coley, Hankton, or Hartley are are going to leave the staff at some point, probably after February signing day. Um, again, this is think. This is just not. This has no bearing on anything other than. Um, Particularly because Coley is thought to be so in. We suppose one of the reasons that Newman came. Supposedly, was, you know, what's the name of that big quarterback that they're recruiting? Van oh, Griff or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. From, uh, yeah he's Prince li- literally lives yeah. here in town. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think you're. I, I think it's interesting that you take the offensive coordinator title. Look, if Kirby Smart is good a salesman to get an offensive coordinator to stay on his staff, in essentially take uh, the best lateral position as associate head coach and. No other title. I, I, he probably is not good a recruiter. <laughs> it is just hard to imagine when you put all the pieces together that an offensive coordinator, another FBS program, is going to come to Georgia and, and merely be a quality control analyst. Um, and also, you have a number of positions that probably are are already available out in the out in the college football world. Mm-hmm. With people James Coley has connections with, so well, I'd like to invoke the Seth Emerson drink portion of the show. How will you? Even though I'm the only person here drinking, because this January is going on forever. Drinking you coffee. don't. You don't even know, man. I know. I know. Um, so <laughs> Seth, in one of his latest articles, I'm, I'm quoting the basically the last couple of the sentences of his article. He says, "But already this off season, by hiring Matt Luke and now Munkin, Georgia has not only made two big time hires." but brought in two coaches who Smart has never worked with and who are outside the standard Nick Saban coaching tree. That's interesting. And I think we uh, we kind of mentioned that last year, Will did, about how he hired internally and just yeah. brought guys up within. And so this point that Seth brings up is interesting to me based on what we had talked about in the past. Yeah, and to me it's more and more clear that I mean, he really has to be taking a step back from the offense almost entirely because, yes, he is still the guy in charge. But, like, Todd Munkin is, like, a very respected offensive coordinator. He's done a lot of really great things and literally just left a situation because he didn't have any control, have the control over the offense that he thought he was going to do. And Georgia just clearly, whether he leaves or whether he doesn't, pushed down a guy that was going to do it Kirby's way. Uh-huh. Uh, for, so whatever your thoughts on all of that, it does not make sense to me. I mean, again, Kirby Smart is still the head coach, but I don't think he's going to be calling plays. I think he may be. I think he may be yelling. You may see him yelling into his headset, having some rage strokes a few times. But I, there's no way that Munkin's here, and there's no way that uh, Buster is here. Uh, if 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 it's like if, if Kirby's just going to keep his thumb on the scale, yeah, like there's just no reason for them to come here. And there's no and if he's going to do that anyway, keep Coley. Like, like if, if if you want to have that that thing where where you you are still have the power over the offense and you don't do the go do your offense shit, or your passing shit, excuse me and if you're if you're gonna still then you should have just kept Coley and just be stubborn but he's not doing that because there's no other reason Monka would come in right and on top of that again I go back to the point that I, I made I don't I just don't think Munkin comes here if he's not he has not received a look me in the eye assurance from Kirby Smart that that won't happen and particularly because Munkin is going to be looking specifically at that because he just got have a terrible situation because of that yeah and um, so for me that's all the more reason to think that uh, and so it's I mean frankly this is what everybody wanted right this is what everybody wanted yep this is what everyone was mad about Coley they wanted him to make a big change and I think to me the 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 in addition to the fact that we now know he's not stick his 
dig his feet in and not move. It also speaks to, as a journalist, this is not always my favorite thing, but I think it's a lofty sign of a good, a good, uh, uh, well-run program. Uh, it really doesn't feel like a big, massive controversy. Nope. Like it doesn't feel like a big, huge Coley out, Munkin in. Kirby says, we're, "Like it feels like it doesn't like it." To me, it seems like it probably was a reaction to everything. To, uh, a, the offense being bad, and to be all, all be all of the heat that was on him from the outside. But the way it was structured, and the way the information was kind of meted out, and the way that hirings were staggered, and the way that the whole thing was kind of run, the way Munkin kind of came out of nowhere, we not we had not heard is he going to bring in Munkin like we'd heard about is he going to bring in Bobo or is he going to bring on so we had not heard any of that stuff. Where in fact I think word actually came out when he announced the Munkin thing that he actually had talked to Bobo yeah. at some point. Yeah. Like again. All, keeps it all in house. It doesn't really get. There's not this big. No one's getting fired on the bus on the way out to the airport. Like no, <laughs> like no, like none of those like weird things that happen can, all the time. Yeah, can we talk about Lane Kiffin in a minute? Because yeah. I got some thoughts. Yeah, like there's all these weird things that happen with programs that have a lot of drama and have a lot of you know, like at Tennessee for like look at like it's to me this is an example right. Tennessee's a great example of this where it's all chaos and there's Fulmer lurking over everything and there's and the boosters are yelling about this and Texas is like this too. You don't see that here and I think that is a really good sign that this was a pretty major change that happened with the program. Kirby Smart was able to kind of keep it as a well we did this and we did this and we did this and it all seemed to happen in a logical drama free way when the fact is it probably wasn't very drama free i think that's generally a sign of a healthy program yeah i think you're right and i think it's the the whole thing i'm thinking of is it was the it was managed well right um, yeah you you talked about the the ed Orgeron thing a minute ago it's like it 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 struck me that a good part of the of the national championship game, Edward Ron's microphone on his headset was above his head. Uh, as a matter of fact, at one point in the game, I told I told Kristen and Wayne, it was like, if, you, if they really do a pullback shot, literally there's just a wire dangling beside his leg. It's not connected to anything. Just for appearances, Just man. really. It's just all because it's like, it, feel, it makes him feel comfortable. It's placebo. It keeps him calm. Yeah, it's it's a, like a thunder shirt. It's his whoopee. It's a whoopee. It's, it's his whoopee, right? It's his own personal thunder shirt whoopee. And, um, and you know, he's he's from the bayou. He's, it gets loud there. Yeah. Um, you know, headsets protect you from alligators. Yeah. So I thought it was for his airboat. <laughs> whatever. Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. He's communicating with a fleet of airboats. Boats. Better, <laughs> God, yes, just protect this fragile hearing. Um, you know the the I, I kind of like you know, one, one last little piece of this that has been interesting to me is, um, despite the changes, we haven't. It doesn't look like. I mean, we're still recruiting the quarterback uh, yeah. that we that did commit it from Oklahoma yeah. of all places, and it clearly is here is so. yeah in town. Um, and also, you know, we we have stemmed the tide of some of the yeah. some of the transfer folks. I mean, Otis Reese just went to Ole Miss, and I can't wait to talk about Ole Miss and Link Kiffin. Oh my God! And Mike Leach, damn, just Mike Leach. Mississippi um, football is it's just it it's this bad, entire it thing. It will be something. I mean, think yeah. about the chain of events that happened after oh, Ole Miss scored that yeah. touchdown. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, well, after the guy looked at us like well, hey, like, mean, yeah. like Metcalf. Um, so, but you know, the one last thing I would say about this is like. I don't think a lot of people will be looking forward to G Day. I don't think we'll see a whole lot in G Day. Oh, but man, whatever that first game of the season against Arkansas A and M or whoever it is we're playing. Virginia. Oh yeah. Virginia. Virginia. 
Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, actually, and on Labor Day night. Labor Day night proper. Itself. Labor yeah. Day proper. So, so could we maybe talk about the transfers and the quarterback room now? I think the quarterback is first. So what I did yes, was agreed. I was wondering about class separation pretty yep. much. And so <laughs> I charted this, and this is great podcasting right here, but I've got – uh, this is good. Five lines right here. What you can't see is that it's uh, kind of like... As he's taking off his belt. And Scott, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? I well, thought you were... Here's a Sharpie down there. And uh, so okay, no, here's a whiteboard. He's made a chart. Here's, a here's what you got. If, if you think of, mm-hmm. uh, of the X line in a chart... Yeah, okay, the X axis and the Y axis. Forget it. Forget it. I have a line <laughs> with five hash marks. Yeah. The first one on the left indicates redshirt freshman yeah. or freshman or true freshman or whatever. But anyway, we have Carson Beck. Yes. He's going to be a true freshman or potential redshirt candidate. Yes. And then you have uh, Mathis. Austin Kirksey, oh, uh-huh. who transferred from Nevada. And then Dwan Mathis, who would be in their second years because yeah. Kirksey did not even play a down at Nevada. So he's technically just burned his first year yeah. when you get five years out of, out of uh, high school. Then... You don't. There's nobody in the sophomore category, okay. redshirt sophomore, and then you have uh, Stetson Bennett, who's a redshirt junior. Mm-hmm. So this is his fourth year of eligibility, and then Jamie Newman, who is a grad transfer senior. So that's how you know. Whereas when Justin Fields came here, you were all everybody's clamoring. We didn't have any class separation, and that was kind of it. You know, and it wasn't enough for Justin Fields, and that's why he wanted to leave. But I think this is pretty healthy. Yeah, because if you then put Vandergriff or whoever the other stud guy they're recruiting, you've got six hash marks right here. Of course, to me, the question with that is, it's one thing to have it staggered, but if you get someone like Vandergriff, those freshmen and sophomores, who cares who they are? Like, yeah. right? Probably yes. I think that's a fair way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, although I think you know Beck is very good, and a year yeah. in the system could put him in front of Vandergriff. But maybe, but that, that's a 2021 but, but problem. All that year is going to be is it like when's Vandergriff starting? When's Vandergriff starting? When's Vandergriff I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is uh, apparently Mathis has been clear. He has said mm-hmm. he's clear to play. We won't know that for certain until we start uh, on spring practices, which is literally when we haven't announced the practices, but usually they start around uh, the, the early to middle of March. So we're inside two months for that. So I think we should talk about Newman uh, specifically. Yeah. Because what's interesting about <clears throat> him, me. I did not watch a lot of Wake Forest this year, uh, so I can't speak. Uh, I, I'm just going to, like, we, we, we saw a couple of games of theirs, but, like, I think there was only one game he was bad, and it was Clemson, as everyone in the ACC what? would be bad against Clemson. <laughs> but what I found interesting is one of the things he talked about at the end of the year, because you know, there's this idea, like, he's a running quarterback. He's a, and he is. He runs more than Fromm does, and he ran for a lot of yards last year. He had 500 yards rushing. Yeah, but the, his big thing was I didn't want to run run this much. One of the reasons I went to Georgia. He was the offense. Yeah, like one of the reasons I went to Georgia is, yeah, sure, I can run, but I should, like he should not run 500 yards for Georgia next year. He is, we know that he is capable of running 500 yards for Georgia, but the idea is he, you, like, Georgia has a lot, has obviously a lot of stuff that Wake Forest doesn't have. So what, what I think what appeals to him so much about Georgia, the fact that it's Georgia and there's talent everywhere, is the idea that he doesn't. He can run, but at Wake Forest, he was expected to run because the offense wasn't going to do anything without him. Now he can run as an option rather than the offense. Right. And I think that's what makes him not only more exciting, but probably to him makes it makes it makes him him in a situation would be a lot more explosive than he was last year. Yeah, I think the the thing to look at for him um, is that you know there were. 
there was very little chance Jake Fromm was going to pull the ball back on the RPO look plays. Um, now you always have to account for that for Newman. You know, if if Newman has 500 plus yards this year, one of two things happens: one, the offense took a step back; another step back; yeah. or two, offense was good enough that the offense exploded. Yes. Exploded, <laughs> right? I mean, Jamie right, right, Jamie right. Newman right. had a you know a 30 yard run a game where he just decided to break he decided to break loose because there was no good option and took off and got 30 yards and he does that every game. Um, I know which one I like. Um, and, and, you know, I think you have to think uh, also with Newman, he's coming here to polish his NFL credentials, uh, which means uh, if, I did watch. I watched I their. I say burnish. Like burnish. He, like, I, he's not like, if he were to, like, he could go pro right yeah. now, and he's not. Right. So. He, I'm, I mean, just some of the things he's got to work on. He's, he's a decent outside passer. Um, certainly no Jake Fromm, but very few people are. Um, the place where he needs to work is inside, which uh, we need some of that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think that's important about this Faulkner and um, Mockenheyer, um, and Faulkner was a college quarterback at Valdosta State, won a national championship with Valdosta State. Uh, Valdosta State, always, always showing up. It's always about well. Valdosta State. Um, he, he, we need a strong quarterback's coach. And I think we got it in Buster Faulkner. So that also leads back to the thought of Faulkner's going to be on the sideline at some point. That's just my, my opinion. But, you know, Newman, I'm ex- the thing I'm most excited about Newman, though, is he does have that added element of um, when plays break down. And, frankly, I think probably the hardest thing the quarterback coach and the offensive coaches have to do is convince Newman that he has to give plays a little time to develop because – it does become a second nature. Uh, if you have been schemed as a running part of the offense for quarterbacks to do your checks quickly and move on because you're, you're trained to get positive yards, get positive yards. Also when you have Wake Forest's offensive line rather than Georgia. Oh, yes. Line. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, look out, like I said, I watched their bowl game. I saw a couple other games. Newman is good. Uh, is he as good or better than um, – I mean, it's not hard to say that he probably will come into the season the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the conference. Um, is there a possibility that he could show out during spring practice and get enough, you know, pub or whatever to be second or third in the conversation? Sure. I mean, he. It's not like he's not a he's he's a three year starter at an FBS program. Franklin FBS program that has won a decent number of football games. Well, they've, they've always overachieved, and that, yeah. I think that's a good thing for him if he is winning. And I saw, I looked at his Twitter account, and I was kind of scrolling around. I saw one that he retweeted of himself, a highlight of him breaking off like a 50 yard run. You know, kind of, it looked like Justin Fields a little bit, you know, weaving through traffic, making guys miss. But then the one I was most impressed with dropped back. Throw the ball about forty-five yards in the air, hit the Supposedly guy right the deep in stride. Ball. The deep ball exactly. is his strength. Oh yeah, he throws exactly. dimes deep. Yeah. just beautiful ball, almost always in a catchable window. Just really, really nice. Um, and he can throw inside or outside to receivers on on, on the deep ball. Um, so what we're getting there is a quarterback that if you get, you have any sort of receiving uh, threat, which I think we do. Um, plus a running game in to keep some pressure off the passing game um, and decent blockers. 
the recipe is there. It's just really putting everything in the pot and making it work. Yeah. So, so far he's one of three transfers that we are through the transfer portal. You get Kirksey, who's, it was a strange one. I mean, to come in from Nevada, but yeah, but he's from, but from he's Marietta, from, he, right? He's a Dominic, Dominic Blaylock's uh, quarterback from high school at Walton high okay. school. Oh, okay. And then you've got Trey McKitty from, uh, oh, we haven't even talked about McKitty. Florida no. state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what a, that was definitely, uh, dude. Yeah, I had to stop. I paused that and I was like, <laughs> I literally texted you when I heard that. I was like, Scott, that was. I wrong. like the idea of like a subplot of our podcast is animal sounds with yeah. Scott. That yeah. was one a.m. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. I was impressed. He put that up fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the three, and you know, I don't know what the scholarship number that they're trying to hit, but obviously, I think those three guys are the. I mean, you really want think about think about that fear we had. Last year, no, no slide against Stetson Bennett, but that's all we had. I mean, Fromm goes down, that's, that's it. <laughs> and so I think just shoring up that quarterback room, which is kind of what it used to be before the transfer portal happened, you would stack classes of quarterbacks. Can, so, I, float, can I float a question? And maybe you can close the topic on this. Can yeah. I float a question? If Jake Fromm does not go pro, is James Coley the offensive coordinator for Georgia next year? It's a good question. I'm a reporter. I ask good questions. Um, my f- first thought is no. Interesting. And the, the main reason I think the answer is no is that you have... Um, maybe, maybe it's got a little bit too much by what happened with LSU and Joe Burrow and frankly, some comparisons you can make to Joe Burrow last year and Jake Fromm this year. Um, that might be unfair, um, but I think that you, I think the changes that Kirby Smart has decided to make, whatever they look like, are born out of a recognition that the game has changed substantively enough that it doesn't matter what personnel you have, you have to be willing to look at the the concepts that are now working um, in order to take that next step. And, and I don't think, I mean, we saw Georgia, we saw Georgia be more explosive two years ago and three years ago um, and throw the ball more and throw the ball more deep than we did this year. Um, but that wasn't under Coley. Except for the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> well, except for the Sugar Bowl, uh, but but which was a hey Jake, come back. Yes. look at all the fun you can have. Right, right. Um, so to, you know, to, my thought is to say like, yes, the changes are made. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not I, sure. I, I know. I think it's fair. I mean, I took yeah. if, if you didn't fast forward through my silence, or yeah. Scott doesn't edit it. Oh, I'm uh, totally gonna edit it. So uh, it took me a minute. Yeah. So I have, a, I have an easy, obvious answer, moron. <laughs> Well, duh. Well, before we move off of football, uh, I just wanted to hit a little because their national signing day is coming up, even though it's a little bit anticlimactic after that December signing period. I assume you might hear a couple of uh, signees that that offensive tackle out of uh, Lithonia, I think, is as a you know commitment or something. But right now on campus, Georgia has running back Kendall Milton, four star. These are all four stars that are on campus. Uh, cornerback Jalen Kimber. Safety major burns. Hello, Smithers. <laughs> if only we had a Smithers. Also. That would have been cool. Um, quarterback Carson Beck is on campus. Or a Captain Pierce. That <laughs> too. Defensive tackle Warren Brinson and wide receiver, four-star wide receiver Justin Robinson. So they'll be competing in spring practice. Um, 
Right now, Georgia is third and the 24-7. Isn't that how you say it? 247, 24-7. Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Texas A&M, Florida, Auburn. A lot of SEC schools. Would they have moved up to one if they'd hung on to that that running back? Uh, I think I think the consensus is yes. Yeah. Um, but they got no. No one's picked up. He didn't say anyone. He is not. He took a visit to Ole Miss recently. Yeah. Which is not a where where bad basically there are no laws. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of the way the whole state's looking right now. So so far there are six early enrollees, thirteen that have signed a letter of intent. And the interesting thing is only four are from the state of Georgia. I think we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I know our friend, I, I, I mean, I call him our friend. I, I know him barely. But Jeff Dantzler on 960, he always talks about how uh, you need to close off the borders of the state of Georgia. But in the same breath, he's saying it just wasn't as strong of an in-state year this past year. And so that's probably why you're seeing Kirby pivot a little bit. And go national. We got Washington out of uh, the tight end out of uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, I think. I mean, the, when was the last time we signed a guy out of Las Vegas? We got a guy out of Arizona, Nevada. Which, which is funny, considering the probably the best player in the state this year was a tight end, and he was the number one tight end. Yeah. But he was going to Tennessee all along because yeah. of his quarterback. He went to there. LSU. Eric Gilbert. Oh, did he go to LSU? Yeah, I thought he went to Tennessee. No, either way, no. yeah. Where was was he was going? His quarterback. Yeah, he's the guy out of Marietta, the six foot. Six nine yeah. runs runs a four three right yeah, right crazy. so yeah I mean we'll we'll touch on recruiting like Tony's mentioned this a couple times we're not big on recruiting I mean I have to look it up and then squint my uh, eyes I and study remember it, the name of the guy that Georgia made the, the top quarterback dude that's literally playing in town <laughs> like that's how much we are into right, recruiting right so um, two interesting things that Najee Harris at Alabama and Travis Atn are coming back yeah to I saw school. That. That is cr- it's good, but it is crazy that both are coming back. Uh, one more Georgia thing I'd like yep. to note, by the way. I'd like to say congratulations uh, to Josh Brooks. I don't know if you guys saw, Josh Brooks was promoted to so the exact, exact job is senior deputy director of the athletic deputy. department. He kind of makes him the unquestioned number two of the athletic department. I think uh, Josh is, I think he's, uh, I think a lot of people know uh, I'm friends with Josh. So, uh, <laughs> so keep that in mind. But um, so, so uh, I'm just going to now trash him because screw that guy. <laughs> uh, no, I am friends with Josh uh, and, but I think that uh, a lot of people have recognized a lot of things he's done. I think he was responsible for a lot of the light stuff in Notre Dame. He's really kind of like the game day experience has been a big part of his uh, job. And I think we can all agree that's something that I think has improved considerably. Uh, I actually know this guy that takes like a ton of photos <laughs> from like the game day, from game day stuff. They look great. And so I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think it's just, he's a good photographer, but I don't know if it's just. Uh, that, uh, that I think the game day experience has improved directly. So congratulations to Josh Brooks, uh, McGarity's number two now, and um, and guy who uh, who uh, you know a fellow Flaming Lips fan. So uh, uh, Josh Brooks is good people. And All I good things. I guess in the Georgia football movie, he'll be played by that actor from Heart to Heart that played in uh, Austin Robert, Powers. Robert Rob- Wagner. Robert Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> Robert Wait, Wagner. Why? Because he was number two. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Did Robert Wagner kill Natalie Wood? Isn't that the thing? I that mean, he killed Natalie Wood? I yeah. think they think he did. Yeah, it was him or Christopher Walken. So I'd much rather be Robert <laughs> Wagner because who cares about Robert Wagner? I heard heard uh, Christopher Walken say that his uh, career was ruined by the cowbell skit. More cowbell skit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm fine. It brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, it still does. I <laughs> yes, saw it I think a couple it does. weeks ago. Um, all right, uh, Georgia basketball. Up and down, guys. Up and down. TSC was nice. Fourteen SEC games left. Uh huh. Yeah. 
And they're uh, currently what one and three in the conference. One and three in the conference. And I mean, look at the the start was. I mean, we started out with the two best teams in the conference, yeah. right? And one of them on the road. Yeah. And and we played Kentucky really well. I mean, look if you watch the Kentucky Arkansas game, it's exactly the same game. It was. They played like Kentucky really, again. They played yeah, next Tuesday. week. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. It was tomorrow. Tomorrow. It is tomorrow. It's on the road. Um, where are they playing? Rupp. They played here because yeah. they played here and lost. Look, oh, no. I mean, didn't they, didn't they rename Rupp? What? Was it Rupp Arena renamed? I don't think so. No, I don't think something, so. Something something at Rupp Arena? Oh, oh well, yeah, maybe it's yeah. John Calipari Carter. Or, Ibo or whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think that uh, uh, the Tennessee game was nice. Uh, it was a very nice blowout win over a team that's not a tournament team. Tennessee's had some good teams the last couple years. They're not that good this year. That said, most of the good that they got from that win went away by getting absolutely destroyed at Mississippi yeah. State. Mississippi State is roughly around where Georgia is, uh, uh, net rating wise, and uh, and they got just thirty two points, absolutely mm. obliterated. Now, to be fair, that's exactly the type of team that Georgia's going to struggle with because they got a lot of big dudes. Georgia does not have a lot of big dudes, um, but is looking more and more that unless Edwards has some sort of like streak, incredible run. This team needed Claxon, <laughs> to be honest. This team, if they were going to be a tournament yeah. team, probably needed Claxon. And um, we'll see. But that Mississippi State game was discouraging. They looked great against Tennessee. That was a very mm-hmm. impressive performance. But uh, there's and you've seen some of the freshmen. Uh, Kamara has been real, has been really nice. Brown's starting to come around a little bit. Obviously Wheeler, uh, who got hurt in the Tennessee game, but turned out to be okay. Uh, there's a lot of talent. They've also got a great recruiting class coming next year. Like this, still a good recruiting class. But the idea that this team is going to mature fast enough for their in their one year with Edwards to make the tournament, it's, it's looking more and more unlikely. I would say. Well, I looked up some of the stats. They are third in the league in scoring, but they're first in the league in points given up. Yeah, yeah. the defense. So and, and it's funny because their best games of the year, Memphis and Tennessee, uh-huh. were probably the best two defensive games they had all year. But uh, that Memphis game was, that, that was what almost got me sold that they could be a tournament team because their defense was so good in that game, it hasn't been as good since. So what does this tell you? The fact that out of the top 50 uh, individuals in scoring in the SEC, there are only two off of Georgia. Anthony Edwards at 19.1 a game and uh, Rayshon Hammonds at 13.8. A game, and I looked. There's only one other team that has less than three in the top scoring, and that's Missouri. Yeah. And so, really, what that's what that tells you, my novice uh, college basketball mind, is it's almost like the NBA. You need a big three, and they only yeah. have two, and and because I, every other school has two or three top in the top fifty in scoring. I think, and I think part of the ma- I think the major problem is they have a ton of talent. They're just all freshmen. <laughs> like they're all except for Hammonds. And, and also guys like Crump have not really had great years. Like seniors you were kind of hoping would step up have not really had great years. Uh, Jordan Harris was, was hurt for a while and didn't play, suspended for a while and didn't play. So uh, they've relied a ton on these freshmen in a way that will help them in a couple of years. But probably in, it doesn't look like it's going to be enough unless they go on some crazy run. Uh, for the one year that you're going to have Edwards. And that's a bummer. And to be honest, we, I, I don't think we've talked since, since the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game was a bummer to me because Georgia was right with them that entire game. I actually think Edwards was kept out of the game too long yeah. in that yeah. second half. Yeah. I think he was kept out. Uh, uh, Kentucky kind of made their run when he was out. And not just that, but like the crowd that night. Everyone, like Quava was there. Uh, Quava. Whatever. Yeah. Trey uh, Young. Trey Young was there. 
uh, uh, Bill Belichick was not there. There was a room that he was there. Bill Belichick was not there. But Kirby Smart was there. Like, uh, and to me, to the point, that crowd had a lot less blue than it usually does. Uh-huh. It really did. Yeah, and that is Anthony Edwards. And, and they were quiet until the last five yeah. minutes of the game. Yeah, and the, but that's Anthony Edwards. And I, that's like Trey Young is not coming to watch an up like an up and coming Georgia team. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about draft picks about how Atlanta's not good this year. Edwards is going to be a top pick. He is kind of a perfect fit for what the Hawks are doing because they have shooters, they have Trey, they need a slasher. They need a slasher. That is what Anthony Edwards is. There is a lot, an ex, he's actually like a perfect, like for example, I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, so ordinarily, wow, a Georgia player, I'd love to have him play for my Knicks because the Knicks are also bad. He doesn't fit the Knicks well enough because they don't have a point guard. Atlanta obviously has a point guard. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit for the Hawks if, if it comes out that way. So out of the 14 games left, there's seven at home, seven on the road. What do they need to do just to, just to get in the tournament? Get, well, even to get to where we're excited by bubble watching. Uh, in that 14, I think they probably need to win nine, maybe eight, but probably nine. I think they can. I think because this is not that strong. So yeah, that's part I, of the problem. It depends on the nine, yeah. right? You can get away with, I'm sorry, you, it depends on the eight. You, no. Go to Kentucky and win, and you get you get a loss somewhere else. But you're running out of shots, right? You mm-hmm. are running, running out, out of shots. Because <laughs> the problem with, the, on one hand, yes, you started early against Auburn and Kentucky, so your schedule was harder than it should have been. On the other hand, those were like those are quality wins that Georgia has. Right now, the best quality win is Memphis, which is a good win, but... Yeah. You, you just can't lose any more what should be push games on paper by 32 points. Yeah, that's I, I mean, you can lose a game. I don't know who else is around them in net rating, but you can lose another game like that on the road yeah. as long as it's a close game or an overtime game. Yeah, right? like, the top SEC teams are really, like, obviously Kentucky, Auburn, Auburn Florida's starting to come Florida's around. coming around. Arkansas's good. Like, there's, like, a lot, like, the, but it's not like the Big Ten where there's people are putting, like, 10 or 11 teams in the tournament. There's, right. like, five. Maybe six, but yeah. yeah. And, but George is actually probably the sixth team six if it goes seven, down. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. If it goes down. If, right. if, if the SEC is to get six teams or seven teams. If they get seven, Georgia's the seventh team without Yeah, question. probably. But right now they're not. Georgia was in a lot of first four out, second four mm-hmm. out until that Mississippi State game, and now you're not seeing them out on any of those. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have to do something big to turn that around. It's just going to be hard because you know they, 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 they're, they're, it's, it's possible, but – I haven't seen a lot from them to make me think. I think they could they could pull off an upset and have a great game and like we get really excited. They do not strike me as a consistent team that can yeah. put like four or five really good games together in a row. And I think that's the concern. Yeah, I mean, you, you, to put it put it bluntly, you have to win the rest of your home games, including Florida, and you can't lose any road games to the Dregs. Yeah. And look, you can see the game where Edwards just goes nuts, and they beat a Kentucky or they beat yeah. Arkansas. But then there's going to be a game where he's kind of quiet, and they lose by 25 at Missouri or something, and that's the concern. There's no doubt about it, though. Their uh, home and away uniforms this year are spot on. They're yeah. fire. The old school. The old, yeah, love yeah. them. Ah, love them. Yeah. All right. Do y'all want to do buy or sell or Twitter questions first? Up to Will. Buy or sell. I always like buy or okay. sell first. All right, buy or sell. Herschel Walker being named number two all-time college football player per ESPN. And before you answer this, let me just give you, he was ranked behind Jim Brown, who was ranked number one. Herschel Walker in college had 5,259 yards rushing, 52 touchdowns, finished his career with 11 NCAA records, 16 SEC records, 41 Georgia records, and a Heisman Trophy and a national championship. Jim Brown, and granted it was in the 50s, 
His college career had 2,091 yards, 19 touchdowns, never broke 1,000 in a season, and was fifth in the Heisman voting in 1956. Okay, so I will start this off with an anecdote. Uh, okay. I uh, Walker was on my plane coming back oh. uh, from New Orleans, which was very <laughs> cool. We were also in the Delta Sky Club together. I did not bother him because he was surrounded by like three or four people because Herschel Walker, when, he, when Herschel Walker is going to be the best, second best college football player of all time, he's, you know, he's not letting it is like me bother him in the Delta Sky Club. Uh, I don't know if Herschel Walker is the number one college football player of all time, but I know that Jim Brown isn't. And I love Jim Brown. Like, Jim, like to me, Jim Brown, you can make an argument mm-hmm. he's the best NFL running sure. back of all time. But like I said, my, my friend Michael David Smith, uh, uh, who writes for Pro, Fo- for, uh, Pro Football Talk, and uh, back, uh, basically he's been running for a long time, went to college with him. He has been a Jim Brown devotee forever. And he's like, I love Jim Brown. He's my favorite player of all time. Why are we pretending he was the best college football player of all time? There's no way he was college. Like, I, I would put, not only would I put Herschel Walker above him, I would put Red Grange above him. I would put Dick Butkus above him. Bo, Bo Jackson. I would put about Bo Jackson. I, mean, I would a guy put Barry Sanders. What about Ernie Davis, who played yeah. at Syracuse? Yeah, exactly. Like, to me, that feels like Jim Brown is alive. He is revered among a lot of people. I'm not sure Herschel Walker is number one. Sure. But Herschel Walker was a better college running back than Jim Brown. Really, I don't think there's really a lot of debate. I would probably put Herschel Walker number one, uh, but... Uh, he's definitely above Jim. The interesting thing was there was no like college player in the last forty years in the top ten, and there's, yeah. I mean, that just seemed kind of. Is, is, I guess it's hard to make a list. Yeah, but it's very baseball-y to do. Uh, yeah. the past it was everything was so much better back, mm-hmm. back then. Like it's, it's it's a very kind of annoying nostalgia-based kind of history. The fact is, is and again, this is the old joke that like if you threw a curveball to Babe Ruth. He would run screaming away and yelling about <laughs> witchcraft and sorcery because, like, the game that's is great. so much better now. But um, that's my line. I said it was an old line. That's my line. It's um, a great line. But, um, like, obviously, uh, the four-string running back for Jackson State would be – was a better running back than Jim Brown was because it's it, it's just – I mean, it's just the game is such a different experience. If Jim Brown played now – like, it's the old joke that, like, remember William Refrigerator Perry? Like, just, you know, the biggest guy that you've ever seen in your entire life, and he would be way too small to even – like, he was, like, linebacker size now. The old joke that, like, if you watch Cheers and you're like, wow, George Went is actually kind of skinny <laughs> compared <laughs> – like, like, just the world has changed yeah. so much – that uh, that the the physical side stuff is so different. Well, I think you have two things at play. First off, his pro career, uh, or or maybe second off is his pro career. I think the first is he was the first uh, African American college football star. Yeah. Um, and but to me, that's an argument for the other Syracuse guy for for Ernie Davis. He, he was before Ernie Davis. I know. No, but, but, I, and, but yeah. I think you're right about Ernie Davis. Yeah. I think Ernie Davis winning the Heisman yeah. makes a better argument. Um, but you know, people do have. I mean. Yeah, it's I mean, weird. Look, Hers- that- Herschel Walker's still a pro football punchline, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. Oh, but you know, he should be in the that's College true. Football Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous, and I don't think Jim Kelly. I think Jim Kelly belongs there. But you know, when they everybody cites Jim Kelly's USFL stats when they talk or about him Warren in the, the CFL or, or Warren Moon in the CFL, but people are like, well, Herschel only had 
11,000 yards in the NFL. He also had 7,000 yards in three seasons in the USFL. But whatever. But I mean, to be honest, that's also, I mean, he's got an answer to that. He He does. I don't have to, I don't disagree with you, but there is some duality going on. Yeah. Um, No question. But, you know. Like Jim Kelly and Warren Moon were in the USFL because they, like, people had misevaluated their talents and did not realize that they were NFL quality quarterbacks. Or, uh, Or the CFL for Moon. I don't maybe, maybe not Kelly, Jim Kelly maybe, maybe yeah but, but like but Flutie Flutie for example yeah yeah like that's like they did not Herschel Walker had the opportunity to go to the NFL and be that and and made a decision not to in a way that I I don't understand how a Georgia fan can vote for the current president just because of what he did to Herschel Walker yeah so. that's an excellent point <laughs> even though it is worth knowing that Herschel Walker is in fact a Trump supporter I uh, well that be that as me I feel obliged um, to point that out uh, and and, and, and we just can't forget about. Chum Brown beating old people. Yeah, no one really brings that up anymore. But uh, you got some lady issues over there. Anyway, the point is, is that like, does it feel good? Moment? Buy or sell? Sell? Are we saying number one? Or are we saying above Jim Brown? I said basically Herschel Walker being this is buy or behind, sell behind Jim <laughs> yeah, Brown. That's right. I thought we were talking about politics in the <laughs> world at large. No, it's it's basically I guess the crux Look of me, it. I popped in to defend Trump there for a second. I, 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 I should have. Stated the questions by herself, Herschel Walker being named number two behind Jim Brown. I, I, I'll say I mean, hold so. because I think number two, I'll give her, it sounds about right, uh, but he should be ahead of Jim yeah, Brown. Yeah, it's complicated. Okay. By herself, Super Bowl. I mean, Andre did, Ware could theoretically be number one, right? Like ooh, if we're yeah. just talking college football, yeah, it was pretty. It could be like amazing. David Klingler could be number yeah. one. So. Yeah. yeah. By herself. Johnny Manziel could be number one. McNair. Super Bowl 54. Using Roman numerals still. Are we out of stuff to complain about? Isn't there stuff going on in the world? I saw people complaining about getting yeah, rid of the Roman I don't numerals. Care. I don't mind it. I don't care how long it Although is. Although it spells it's... live this year. Yeah, yeah. fine. I'm pro-Roman numerals. Okay. Uh, buy or sell J-Lo, Shakira, and Pitbull for the Super Bowl 54 halftime show. I wish J-Lo were recent Oscar nominee J-Lo performing at halftime. So the only downside this is it means we're probably going to get a cutaway shot of Alex Rodriguez at some point. Probably so Definite so. downside. But uh, and, and but uh, I have to say, forgive me. I, I obviously I, I am only so much with pop music, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen Pitbull in any other context other than him doing the shades down. Is that a hot lady? <laughs> Look, I don't think I've ever seen Pitbull do something other than that. Uh, so the, I know you're the, saying Spuds Pit- McKenzie double take I the wall. I know you're that lady's fine. I know you're saying pit bull, but the, I'm going to call him pit ball the rest pit of ball, my life. Yeah, pit ball, yeah. So, but I, I like I'm all of them, but pit bull. Two for three editors. I don't know about pit bull. But okay. Two for three. Uh, buy or sell Demi Buy or sell Demi Lovato singing the national anthem. Fine. She's got a great voice. Keep it short. She had me at uh, what she sang. The I don't know what she's saying, but she's got a great voice. Um, well, my general national anthem rule is very much like Paul Zimmerman, the old Sports Illustrated yeah. uh, uh, football reporter. He used to literally at every game he ever went to, he had a stopwatch with him, and the minute it started, he would click the stopwatch and he click it when it ended. And his theory was: the better the national anthem, and the more the person is making it about the song and the country and the flag, and the less they're making it about themselves, is exactly about how short the national. And there anthem are prop bets on how long the national anthem lasts, except. For Lady Gaga's shoes last year. Yeah. Uh, I, I love Lady Gaga's halftime show. I thought that was a really yeah. good halftime show. So, and just for what it's worth, this is not really buy or sell, but I found this interesting since it's uh, 2020. Uh, I figured I would go back for 10 years, 10 years, 10 years back to 1970 and tell you what the Super Bowl halftime was. Okay. 
because I figured that it was I assume Superstar Half Island in 70 was whichever college marching band was closest. Was it up with people? Was it, it was up with people one year. Uh, probably 80. We're getting to that, I think. Um, so do you want me to go 1970 first or 2010 first? Yes. Okay. 1970, the Super Bowl halftime show was Carol Channing. Oh, yeah. Carol <laughs> Channing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sorry. sure what she does. She, she, well, she, she's kind of most, a comedian, but she's, she's probably most known for our age for being like one of the hosts with, with Jim J. Bullock and Rip Taylor. Yeah, on, like, that's this, right. The, yeah, the uh, Gong this, Show. This, yeah, uh, not Gong Show. $6,000 period. Yeah. Period or whatever it was. But yes. Uh, but she was a big Broadway star. She was a big Broadway star. 1980, Super Bowl fourteen was a salute to the big band era with Up With People. Up with uh, people. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1990. <clears throat> sorry. Super Bowl 24 was a salute to New Orleans and the 40th anniversary of Peanuts characters featuring trumpeter Pete Fountain, Doug Kershaw, and Irma Thomas. Okay. Uh, was it the next year or was it? It was the next year that it was Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston. 91. Probably, yeah. That would be right. Yeah, that would have been San Francisco, Cincinnati. Yeah, that was during the war, right? Because he did the big national anthem, right? The start of the Gulf War. Okay. Here's a good one. In 2000... Uh, it was, quote-unquote, a tapestry of nations featuring Phil Collins, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, and Tony Braxton. Okay. That was 2010? 2000. 2000. Okay. I, like, I, I like the idea that someone that just to just see if Phil Collins can just fill out a full halftime show himself. <laughs> like, imagine what kind of pyrotechnics. Like, it's Phil Collins. Oh, I can't dance. Oh. I can't. The only thing about me is the way that I walk. Suit, suit, studio. Yes, yeah, for the record, that would bring the house down. Yeah. Studio and yeah. Uh, and 2010 was The Who. Yeah. yeah. 2010 was The Who. My, my, uh, the, I'm very proud to report the year that the Arizona Cardinals made the Super Bowl. Springsteen did the halftime show. So ah. that's a good one. I don't like Springsteen. Never have. Like, at uh, all? Yeah, I'd sell. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, I feel like we should back up a little it's bit. It's okay. Like, it's okay. I am not, like, for the record, I am not, like, one of those people who's like, well, Springsteen is, like, a gun or anything. Right. But, like, you just don't like Bruce Springsteen? I don't like Born in the USA song. He repeats it 35 times. Well, yeah, that song's also, like, an ironic song about how, like, you know, I'm supposedly born in this great country, but this country is disappointing. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's like a... No, I'm not a... I've so, wait, wait, you're... What, so, that's Born in the USA. It's not that's only, like, that's yeah. only the third best song of the whole I was going to say, Born in the USA is probably, like, a, the most unrepresentative Bruce Springsteen song that there is. Right. No, I don't like him. Huh. I never have liked his music. I will never. I feel like I, you would like it. No. Actually, that's only you're like the first person I've ever. No, met I know. No, like look, I I, I know I people that don't like Springsteen, but they're usually of the they're usually wrong about him. They usually think that he's like this flag waving sort of, and he's no. totally not. No, but like it's rare that I see. I don't people, like his singing. It has nothing to do with his politics or, you just or don't like whatever his voice. I don't like his music. Huh? Yeah. So. so I feel Maybe. like you would like. You don't like Santa Claus is coming to town. With I don't Clarence like Born to, to Run. Born to Run. I mean, maybe it's because I spent like a couple of summers interning at ninety six Rock in Atlanta when I was in high school and college, and I just kind of that was poured upon me. I don't know. But I've how never, much is finding this out? Huh? Yeah. How much is finding out? You I don't know. Ninety six Rock. I don't know. Oh yeah, no, I interned at ninety six Rock. I, huh. we, I think we have discussed that before. Maybe but, interesting. Maybe, but I, I, yeah, this yeah. It's so a bummer, man. I didn't know that was going to be a buy or sell question. Listeners, what do you think? Am I right or am I wrong? Put up, put up a poll on oh. this. And oh I, uh, yeah, send send gifts to Scott. Okay. Yes. He thinks they're chips, but you, yes. 
They are gifts. No, they're, they're not gifts. gifts. They're gifts. They're gifts. No, don't call you don't like Bruce Springsteen. You think they're gifts. Okay. Yeah, no, if you're listening to this episode, send, send us a tweet on why I'm right or and why I'm wrong. you can say, like, Springsteen is overrated. Sure. That feels like a real... I, I don't... I may or may not agree with that. But the idea, like, I just don't like the guy's music, that's a rare one. I have yeah. to say, I'm not actually... No, that nothing one. personal. I'm, and, and here's the thing. If the boss walked in the room, I'd stand up and shake his hand and... You know, well, good for you. I wouldn't have anything to talk about because I don't have any really knowledge oh, base on his. Uh, I did see that his uh, one of his. I, I did see, see you guys. one of his sons is now a, a fireman. Fire, fire, fire. Yeah, yeah fire. so that's pretty cool. Very anyway, Jersey, we will move on. Um, oh well, you know what I had. What would you prefer as the super is the Super Bowl halftime show? Prince, uh, frisbee dogs, or red panda? Uh, super Bowl. Have you? Have you watched the Purple Halftime shows? I'm joking. Totally. I would... Uh, Red, Red Panda. Red Panda I love, but she is getting a little yeah. rusty. She's getting a little rusty. So really what I, what I was going to ask you... years old. What I was going to ask you, that was kind of a joke, and it like plays well like on like podcasting. If Tony was in charge of the Super Bowl Halftime, and if Will were in charge of the Super yeah. Bowl Halftime, who would you choose? Ooh, I don't know. What, and, um, you, and it doesn't have to be one performer. You can see that they put these ensembles together. I would probably really since since I'm not going to pick my own personal favorites. I think I think what I'd like to see, what would really amuse me or make me think pretty cool, uh, would be um, probably Lizzo and um, I don't know. It's certainly not anything with Rob Thomas or. Um, <laughs> God, who's the other broham that does this all oh, buff yeah, and TV guy, shows yeah, the, the and guy, Adam whatever Adam Levine he yeah, did it no. last year didn't yeah, he yeah so yeah. so unsubscribe yeah. um, did not go well no. they took his shirt off like, all right so you've got Lizzo Will who do you pair Lizzo with I would oh, pair Lizzo with but I to me Kendrick Lamar is like an obvious choice yeah Kendrick Lamar uh, like, I think about yeah, that I feel like to do particularly again at this particular moment in human history it would be interesting to have someone. Uh, uh, with the perspective of him, and obviously he's a hugely well something uh, artist. He won a few, I, few, it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see Outcasts re- reunited. Yeah, that this would be a fun one. Yeah, I, I have an ongoing discussion with my friend AJ about we will know we are officially old when they have Pearl Jam. Like I feel like that's coming, right? Um, like I would assume in the next five to ten years. We're probably going to get a Pearl Jam halftime show. Wow, that we, seems that seems like something that's probably gonna you know. I read there are band that's big enough, yeah. still together enough, and also enough old white dudes that work in the NFL. Yeah, they, will like think God, it's like the coolest. We thing. can get Pearl Jam, yeah, exactly. Right. So, and listen, I, for the record, I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan, but I would be totally okay with that for a halftime. Would you would you shake their hand if they walked? Oh, in I, or? I like Pearl Jam. <laughs> Like again, like usually people are like, I'm not a huge Springsteen guy, but obviously I like this song and this song and this song and this song. Like I'm not a huge Pearl Jam fan, but I've never heard me say I just hate Springsteen. Yeah, I just like Springsteen. That's the thing. thing. Hating Springsteen, I've heard. I've not heard a. I don't don't like his music. What's the big deal? (laughs) Okay, let's uh, let's move on. Some more buy or sell. Buy or sell Georgia's 2020 home schedule. I'm going to read it for you. Uh huh. September 12th, ETSU, okay. East Tennessee. Um, September 26th, Louisiana Monroe. Okay. That would be o- the Josh Brooks game, Brooks game, by the way. That's right. O- briefly the... Yeah. October 3rd, Vanderbilt. Yeah. October 10th, Auburn. Yeah. November 14th, Tennessee. And then November 28th, Georgia Tech. There's only six, y'all. Only six because of the... Yeah. Virginia game. It's kind of... I'm curious. Will you guys go to the Virginia game? Sure. 
I don't know if I will or not. Um, it's, it's definitely not part of the package. No, no, no. no. Uh, it's the next day's a work day for it's me. Hard, man. It's, it's hard. It's like a night game. Everyone's going um, to work the next day. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. I kind of not only do they have to go to work the next day. Like the Tuesday after Labor Day is famously one of the busiest days of the year. Yeah, everybody's back at work. Nobody's worked for for <laughs> three months. Yeah. I don't know yet. It's a good question. Well, if that makes you sad, go look at the at Georgia's 2021 home schedule. It's kind of worse, but I won't get into that. So we, we, we got a while until we get another cool non I mean, we thought that about this year. <laughs> no, we, last year. And we thought it was going to be terrible yeah. the year, the, Two the years great ago, year, yeah. and it was, it was awesome. All right, so Twitter questions. Let's keep these short. The answers short. Yes. The, the questions are short because they're less I than definitely. 280 characters. Remember when going from 140 to 280 was going to ruin Twitter? I like 280. I always like. I don't know how we did 140. I agree, man. All right, this one comes, and it just came in. This one comes from Julie Moon at Julie Bell Moon. Will we recognize this Georgia offense at all in 2020? Yes, I'm going to recognize it. All recognizes us. I'm going to recognize it all up in its face. <laughs> I'm at Marriott. All right, I got to get to that. All right, this one comes from Anna Jolin. Okay. Which player do you think will have the biggest impact on the offense this year? Same for defense. Who will replace Tyler Clark on the interior D-line? Huge hole to fill there. Oh, I just look at the roster. I don't remember now. It's it's mid-January, man. I mean, I think the easy answer is Pickens, right? Um, For offense. For offense. Uh, Defensively, um, it's hard to say Richard LeCount's not going to. I mean, LeCount probably is the one, right? I mean, he's... Probably a preseason All American. Mm-hmm. So, and then look for Jordan Davis on yeah. the defensive line. Oh, that, yeah, Davis is a because he good came line. out a lot on on uh, passing downs or no rundown. I don't, was he the run Karen, stuff? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, Paul Cable. Paul's Cable. That's a cool uh, handle. Please convince me that this whole offensive thing isn't Schottenheimer, the sequel transfer, new OC, NFL guy, not great prior year. Well, first off, we have some six. There, there are some indicators of success with Monk and that what you know the probably the most successful thing Brian Schottenheimer has done. Um, although his, his offense at Seattle this year was fine, uh, but prior to that was being born a Schottenheimer. Yeah. So, um, if I'm one of the Seth Emerson drink, uh, one of the things that I thought was, that he pointed out about that because someone brought up the Schottenheimer thing to him as well, and he said. Well, first off, a major difference is when Georgia got Schottenheimer, it was like, wow, they just got the offensive coordinator that was just from the Rams. And it almost felt like Georgia was getting a coup mm-hmm. at the time, which is a – and I think I think that was frankly part of the reasoning behind it. And that's probably not a smart way to make that decision. It felt that was made more out of desperation than necessarily need. Uh, Munkin is uh, – feels like an opportunity uh, and, a, and, a, and a wise one as opposed to uh, – Hey, let's let's try this guy. So mm-hmm. It feels different. It definitely. Yeah, we'll see, but it definitely feels different. This one comes from at Tim plays keys. Timothy Watts. If I'm not too late, what's the dream destination for a dog going in the draft this year? And favorite family friendly watering holes in Athens. Um, <coughs> so I mean, I'm always I'm, I'm always cool with folks going to play for the Falcons. I mean, um, hot rod for the Falcons to kick. That would be spectacular. I mean, they need a kicker. 
Um, I for me, Hot Rod, I, I want him to go somewhere where he'll become be the correct sort of folk hero. Nothing is the Falcons, but like, yeah, that's like that's right. I feel like if you can Buffalo, send him Buffalo, a place honestly, a place that's had kicking problems. Buffalo, Shouldn't the Bears would be a the good Bears. example of this because they had all that trouble. A- Alabama, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> uh, to me, I want like you want somewhere with someone. The thing like. I always, I've made this joke before, but when my, my friend Pitzer came to the Missouri game and his son, who is you know a perfectly nice kid, but also like a snotty 13-year-old kid like who knows everything like everybody We're else. We're familiar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, he, and the, of course, Hot Rod was on the ticket. And he's like, what is George Evans kicking on the ticket? And to me, the reason is because Georgia deeply, deeply cares about its football and this type of place that will be really, really in. Whereas like Missouri, who gives two <laughs> shit? I envisioned Will Plimson. Listen, kid, you tell your old man to drag Walton and Lane <laughs> yeah. up the other court for 25 hours, exactly. 25, 57 minutes a game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Excellent reference. And um, so to me, that's like you want him to go somewhere that will – you don't want him to go to Jacksonville. Mm. You don't want him to go – even to like as much as yeah, I the love Bills, him. The Bills Sorry. Mafia would love him. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, gonna, they're just funky enough. Yeah. I want him to go I don't cool. do not want him to go to the Titans. <laughs> just you wanted to go to a, a weird fan base. Yeah. Family friendly watering holes in Athens? I, I mean, I, I think Blind Pig is as good as any. Uh, they I'd have, say uh, Trapeze. Uh, trapeze Ted, is, trapeze is good. Best. Trapeze is good. Trapeze can be a little mm, yes. thoughtful, say it. thoughtful of say themselves. It. Yeah. Thoughtful of themselves. Yeah, exactly. um, I'm, I'm a fan. I've always found the service at Trapeze a little shady. And it can be shady. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I'm not. For for my money, and I'm not saying this because they're for former sponsors. I think the Pebble Main does a really good job, especially with the games out front. I would you sh- probably say about El Barrio. I would shout out uh, Rook and Pond. Rook and Pond. Oh yeah, Rook and Pond is oh, yeah. yeah 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 okay. So there's some answers for you. I hope you uh, if you come visit, say hi. Uh, all right, this is from John McKay. It's Easy McKay. Mm-hmm. At, okay. It's Easy McKay. Okay. Fair or unfair for people to draw Ricked 2005 versus Kirby 2020 comparisons? I think it's easy. Yeah. Um, the difference is, and I think the Im- most important part of the difference is, is Kirby has already shown twice now that he is willing to change the way he views things uh, in a way that Mark Richt wasn't. Right? He, um, you know, Mark, you know, Mark Richt was six years behind the game in recruiting, which is why we had nine, ten, and eleven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah. Right? And frankly, probably a little bit in fifteen. Um, and then Mark Rick also let the SEC browbeat him into not run and hurry up when he first came here. Uh, and was convinced that it well, was that was when Tommy Tuberville was yelling at him for clock management. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, and yeah. now look where it's ta- right. Yeah, oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. He's running for Senate in Alabama. He is <laughs> something. Um, I, I would say I've. This, I was on that uh, silly Atlanta TV show. They had a big discussion about this. I actually think it's unfair to both of them. Yep. I think it's Agreed. unfair to Kirby Smart to think that he's going to have the next ten years that Rick had, and it's also unfair to Rick because uh, I don't know. After those four years, no one was saying, "Oh my gosh, is Mark Rick terrible?" Like Mark Rick was. Like people were elated yeah. after those four years. Yeah. So they the, just won an SEC championship. Yeah. So the idea that somehow these four, like the fact that, yep. Kirby Smart and Mark Rick have both had really awesome first four years at Georgia. Like the idea that that's somehow a bad thing if Kirby Smart were were the fact that he has a, a, the same record or a similar record to Mark Rick in his first four years at Georgia 
is incredible and something that they should both be applauded for, not both be taken down for. All right. This comes from Lee Munger at Southern Shepherd. My family is planning to go to G-Day this year. Do we even have a firm date for that, and what should we expect? I think they have a date. Uh, they have a date. I hadn't seen uh, it, but they do. Um, it's usually after Master's Week. Yeah. So, so it was one week it was the same week. I think it was the same week as the Masters. It was. Uh, it has been off and on. They try to avoid it have the past few. So what you should expect I is... I think last year it was April 21st, which was kind of late. Yeah. I, I think what you should expect would be... Um, Depending on what time TV gets a hold of it, and uh, it's hard to think it won't be at least in one of the better time slots, meaning not noon. Um, I think what you should expect out of it, out of the scene, is that it's a good day to take your family downtown. Uh, Go walk around campus, see a few things, go into the game, uh, expect the game to be totally different than what you expect on game day. Uh, It's it's tightly managed and don't expect to see a whole lot. Uh, it has not been announced yet. It is worth noting last year, G-Day was set, was set on January 23rd. Okay. So expect So we're about soon. now. Yeah. Expect it soon. Okay. They didn't, they set, uh, they announced it. They didn't about play now. it. Yeah. No, I'm saying they announced the yeah. date. I was, I was about to correct yes. you and then I'm like, wait and a minute. two years ago, they announced it on January 11th. So yeah. it's clearly coming soon. Yeah. Okay. This is from... At Seth P. Johnson, what are early off-season grades for SEC transfer moves? Example, Newman and Trey McKitty yeah. to UGA. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great stuff. But what he, year is he? Is he a uh, junior? Junior. Let's hope so. So we got two years. I don't know. Uh, I, I, now I don't. Meow, I don't know. Felipe Franks to Arkansas and Cade Mays to Tennessee. Um, It feels typical. Um. So the Felipe Franks to Arkansas is the most interesting thing to me. Um, I mean, good for Pittman for getting Felipe Franks. Um, and, you know, hope, hope Cade's made mom's getting cons- cons- consortium. Do you have any thoughts on that? Just, just spit, give me, give me 60 guys, seconds. Guys, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole, I, I don't want to, I don't, I'm going to keep my powder dry. <laughs> keep my powder dry. Uh, I am full of consortium jokes though. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to, to consortium with, with only three-quarters of one pinky finger. That's right. It'd be easier if it was his left hand. Would it? Maybe. <laughs> you don't know what Yeah, you don't know what they like. All right. Uh, this is from at HBTF Dogs from James. What's Coley's status? Are you guys a fan of him staying or going? I think we should keep him. Uh, We've kind of plowed this ground, yeah. but I, wherever wherever Kirby wants him, the more the merrier. But uh, if I if I were him, I'd leave. Yeah, one of the things I think you should look for him. Uh, it feels like at some point uh, he will leave, and if I had to guess, I'd say after 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 February signing day. Uh, and I think it's fair to see him end up as an offensive coach somewhere else, probably with somebody he has worked with before. Jimbo, I don't know. Just a thought. Yeah. All right, this is from Mark underscore J underscore Mathis. What is a reasonable expectation for the dog's record next season? Lots of unknowns on offense, but a lot of quality coming back to an already great defense. It also seems like the SEC powerhouses are in a state of transition next season. The LSU exodus, Tua gone, et cetera. I, I, yeah, let's, 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 let's just a quick – yeah, and then there was a, a caveat, guys. It is January. Oh yeah. Okay. Obviously. So don't don't reference back to this. Just don't, verify. So if we come to well, it sounds like fifteen and zero. Don't come back to us. September seventh, Virginia. 
at the bins. I mean, Virginia's rebuilding. Yeah, this I is. Know, not I know they case. played in the Orange Bowl, yeah. but they were a f- yeah. eight and four team in the Orange Bowl. Perkins isn't coming back either, right? Yeah. So uh, that's a win. September twelfth, East Tennessee State, and then we go to Alabama. Guys, and you go to Alabama. Okay, let's say a loss. Yeah, I'm I, I'm, even though I'll pick Georgia, I'm okay. Well, yeah. Uh, ULM. That's home. a win. Vanderbilt home. Win. Auburn on my birthday home. Win. It's quick. Screw uh, those guys. At Missouri. That's a win. Six. Yeah, new one. coach. No, new coach. Yeah. Uh, October thirty first. Florida? Florida. Let's be conservative. Call it. They're six and two after that. That's very conservative. They're, um, they're six and two. They're not playing in, in Atlanta. Yeah, and then the whole season. Then then everyone's losing their mind. Okay, you, but you, let's go with that. You, you want me to tell tell the, the fans or the listeners they're winning that game? Does that make you feel better? No, I'm just I'm just pointing out something. Okay, six and two. There's no safe spaces on the way since last Saturday right. podcast. <laughs> he just we're just get, all dangerous we're, up in here. Dropping truth bombs. You get dragged when you say you don't like Bruce Springsteen. I can't wait to somebody comes to my things. There's, you said Georgia's going to lose Florida. I was like, sorry. At South Carolina, November oh, 7th. That's a win. That's a loss. Home against Tennessee, November 14th. 7-2 <laughs> going into Tennessee. At Kentucky. Uh, win Tennessee, win Kentucky. 9-2 And win Tech. So honestly, the whole season seems to come down to Florida game. Yeah. Like, it, it yeah. just comes down to Florida game. It's hard Wait a minute. That's, that's new. and That's new. We've never seen that. Yeah, that's what I mean. The whole season comes down to Florida game. No matter what, even no matter what happens in the Alabama game. That's right. Yeah. Alabama, the Alabama game almost becomes their Notre Dame game. It kind of becomes their Notre Dame or their uh, Oklahoma in ten years, sure. or their but, Clemson. But, like it doesn't wreck your. But the, but the difference is, it's like you win that game, you have some room. You win the game against Alabama, you have some room. Yeah, yeah but if you lose it, you still just. Yeah, just Florida, all Florida, you have to do is win out. Florida still has an LSU <laughs> on their schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the interesting things, so I do want well, to point LSU's, this out. Hey, what's well, a good question? Is who's better next year, Florida LSU? LSU's got a lot of. They are teams. losing a ton. Yeah, they are. Um, so one one quick thing about Florida, and then we can move we on. We just got one more question. Um, is that Two. there are a ton of takes out there um, that it, I think it's charitable to call them. Well, Florida's four stars are, stars are better than Georgia's five stars, guys. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what we sounded like as a fan base in the early 2000s, <laughs> go read Florida message boards. Yeah. It is ugly, and I'm so glad the shoe's on a different foot. Win or lose this game. I'm just right. – if you want to see how ugly it was, uh, and I am – I will not pretend like uh, I was anything other than that fan. And then the last question, which we've pretty much covered, but I'm going to read it anyway. This is from Scott D. Guy. How shocked are you all that Kirby made the Munkin move, especially now that rumors are swirling it may cost him Coley? I'm seriously reconsidering my opinion of stubborn Kirby. Go dogs. No. We should have covered that. I mean, we, we should talk about that. Uh, I mean, but I think the most interesting thing is it, it remains to be seen if stubborn, stubborn Kirby really has gone away. Right. But the fact that he is willing to make these changes and to go to Will's point that he made very eloquently earlier, and I'm probably going to screw up, is that um, the fact that it was done with a minimum amount of hubbub and um, – Efficiently uh, is, I just think, is a good sign. And then before we go, uh, just a reminder to y'all out there because uh, my Wait, we haven't talked about Leach and Kiffin yet. In, okay, I, no, I'm not trying to. Go, I'm not no, trying to make no. this longer. This is your Illinois minute. <laughs> this is your Illinois minute. Oh my God, Lane Kiffin's at Mississippi, and Mike Leach is at Ole Miss, and it's going to be a tire fire in three years for both programs. And I am here for it, guys. Guys, the two of them spitting at each other for three years is just going to be glorious.
was glorious. It is the coaching equivalent of a draft night video of a Mississippi player with a gas oh, mask going. Yeah. Like, it is the. It's going to be that for three years. God, Lane Kiffin is going to make snide comments about that Leach about Leach, and Leach is going to let him go, and then Leach is going to use words that Lane Kiffin's never heard of, <laughs> and it's just they're just going to piss at each other, and no one's even going to know they're doing it. Uh, I mean, and also, both those teams are going to be better. I think they're both uh, short term, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's a disaster long term. Yes, but they will both be better for a few years. The yeah. only the only thing would be better is if they put them together on SEC Media Day. Oh God! Like on the same day to go. Stop! You're making and me, maybe add Georgia to you're that. Making that me, way, yeah. You're making me tingle. It's so amazing <laughs> in, the, in my naughty spaces. It's great. God, I love show, this so much, show, guys. Show me where on the Tony Dahl Kiffin touched it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, just to get off that track before we close, uh, just a reminder: Georgia baseball starts on Valentine's Day this oh, year. They have gotta, uh, an opening series versus the Richmond Spiders. They're ranked. Fifth in the nation by one of the polls. Not uh, the Spiders. Uh, well, yeah, Georgia. Hey, should we Georgia. talk about Richmond? No, you know. Georgia is ranked fifth Richmond. in the nation. Um, talk about Richmond. My, uh, my middle son, my middle child, went to baseball camp the past two days mm-hmm. over at Foley Field. They did an amazing job. They run a great camp for any of you moms or dads that have seven to 12-year-olds. Wait, did they run it? Like, they ran over the weekend? I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was Sunday morning and this morning. It was uh, three hours. They they went to the indoor practice facility. Oh, uh, 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 you know, coach ran it, and they had a bunch of players that are currently there. And then, um, what's his name? Third baseman that got drafted by the Colorado Rockies, who pitched and won the John Olerud Award last year. His name is Bob Wade Boggs. No, no, what's <laughs> Mitchell Bob? No, the the closer. Yeah, I, I'm we know blanking on it. I've been saying his name for the past three days because my son keeps talking about him. But he was there. Coaching him, John Olerud. No, who? What's he? Yeah, it's, is it word name for him because he wears a helmet all the time? We're we're, we're, we're jerks because we're yeah. Because I've I've literally been saying his name for the past three days. No, just the stud last year. He was like the Gordon Beckham of last year's team. Oh, for Georgia baseball. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm over thinking somebody's already in the league. No, he's the guy that drafted in the second round by the Rockies. Yes. Aaron Shunt. Yes, Aaron Shunt, Dad Gummit. He was there coaching the kids as well. So that is, a, for the record, the John Oliver Award is the John Oliver two way player. Award. Right, because he closed, or he was a pitcher. It's not for helmets. It's not for helmets. But anyway, they're going to be good this year. Uh, Emerson Hancock, Cole Wilcox. The starting pitching is going to be phenomenal. You got Cam Shepard back at shortstop who won a gold glove and has started 180 straight games. So uh, interesting thing with the schedule this year, uh, you know, in, in, in years past, they would play Georgia Tech here in Athens. And then like a couple weeks later, they'd, later they would go to uh, uh, Russ Chandler Stadium and then they'd play at SunTrust. Truist. Yeah. Truist. I'm not going to say that. I'm sorry. What? Why is SunTrust like, oh, because how, he worked for SunTrust. Yeah. How dare no, you worked we? in the SunTrust building? Yeah. For SunTrust. No. Oh. Yeah. How dare we? Worked for South Trust. Yeah. How dare we sully? No, how, how we forget Sully, the great name of the park, they, the corporate park they had for two years so the, for a new Cooper, corporate park. The interesting thing is that uh, they're playing Georgia Tech this year on February 28th, 29th, it's a leap year, and March 1st in Athens, Atlanta, and then Cool Ray Field. Yeah. So, oh, uh, the game's at Cool Ray. Game's okay. at Cool Ray. So there, and Will, you've been there. You said I it's love a great cool stadium. I love Cool Ray. It is, it is a, uh, it's an excellent stadium, and just in the last couple of years, they've started to be able to treat it more seriously. It was kind of a crappily um, staffed state mm-hmm. for a long time. They've gotten they got a new ownership group that's made it a lot better. And then uh, there's no LSU on the schedule, which is good because they're, they're yes. ranked. There's no Bama on the schedule, which is bad because they're trash. 
and there's no Mississippi State on which the schedule, great. which is great. Uh, they do have a, a, a series against Arkansas at home. They played Vanderbilt on the road. On the road, I was hoping they would be a home game so we could see uh, uh, Tracy Rocker's son pitch here, who went to North Dakota. Yeah. Um, Division one baseball in the national championship last year. Exactly. He was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. Um, that game against Duke that he pitched. Um, but Louisville's ranked number one. Vandy's two. Miami's three. Florida's four. And Georgia is five. There's nine SEC teams in the top 25. And really, it's going to be defense and pitching that'll be great. The dogs are really going to be hurting for offense. They better find it early or it could be a disappointing season. I mean, Georgia probably has the best weekend rotation in the country. Bar none. One, two, three. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least in the SEC. Yeah. It is a failing of myself that I've not gotten into more Georgia. And, uh, Georgia it's, it, I mean, it's, 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 first off, it's, it's interesting. Like, I, I, it's I, right I, by my house. Like, yeah. I should be going to these games all the time. I want to go to far more games than I get to. Yeah. And it really is just that I've got kids and yeah. it's hard to go. It's they hard to make. sold a, out the season tickets yeah. this year. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to yeah. be a fun season. Yeah. Yeah. You can think about how recently we thought Strickland was fired, we thought this was done. And now, you know, now it's uh, started they clicking. Could just get through that first regional. Where they've they, they ran into a buzzsaw last year against FSU, yep. and then the year before against Duke. Yeah, right, so you know it is what it is. All right, I guess that does it. Also, gymnastics is bad now. When did you have to get gymnastics? Get when Suzanne Yachlin. Well, I you know I think gym, I think gymnastics is um, they are it's hard to think they're bad when they're still top. Yeah, they're just 10-ish, not ish, they right. but they're not top two or three. I still and feel like that statue's too much, I'll be honest with you. It's I think it's too much. It also doesn't look like her at all. There's a statue? Yeah, in Stegman City of, of, of Yachlin. Yeah. Yachlin, yeah. Yeah. Um that happened a couple years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. She's, but, it's where they, they take it out. It's it doesn't seem like it's all. Oh, it's not there. permanent? I can't tell. I feel like I've seen I've been there when it hasn't been there. There's no Herschel Walker statue, but they've yeah, but got a Yachlin. Well, or there's no Dominique statue, but yeah. they've got a Yachlin. Well, I mean I, there are there are obvious reasons for that mm. that we don't necessarily have to get into now, mm. but I mean, okay, fine. Her, her uh, quote unquote husband, uh, it was is uh, is Don Lieber. So that's why yeah, there was a statue of that. That's all I'm saying. I, I, I didn't even former say. Regents board member Don Lieber. Yes, indeed. Yeah, former Regents. Yeah. Okay. All that's right. All. So uh, I don't know when we'll do another one. I was telling people on Twitter. I, we literally, literally have it on the schedule. <laughs> we literally have it on the schedule. When are we doing it? Uh, the it, 10th, right? Uh, I believe it is February. It's the week after the Iowa it's primary. It's not the 10th. It's not the 10th. It's See? February 4th. Oh, 4th. That's right. The night after. That's right. Yes. Yeah, the night after the Iowa caucuses. I didn't write that down. I'm stunned. What? I'll, I'll, this is I'll new and here. shocking information. Hey, hey, I'll be here. Yeah, February 4th. Because I, I will be at the Super Bowl. I will be at the Super Bowl in Miami. And um, so, can you give us a uh, post game? I don't know if anybody cares I don't about spoil that. It. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but I, I won't give you that. No, yeah. no we don't. It's scheduled for the fourth, Scott. I was up till one a.m. Guys, guys, will y'all uh, y'all please hit Scott up on the Twitters and remind him it's on the fourth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yes, be, February fourth. about Bruce Springsteen. February fourth. There we go. Uh, everyone, good to be uh, back, uh, hanging in. And uh, what's the, what's that thing? What's that? Oh yeah, uh, go dogs! Go dogs! And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks after the Super Bowl with another episode. In the meantime, since it will then be officially the football off season, 
Send us some topics that you'd like for us to cover. You can always tweet our show at WSLS Podcast. And on a personal note, as you know, I'm a videographer, a podcaster, obviously, and also a photographer. And I'm starting to put out some of my prints up for sale on my website, jawavifilms.com. So some of you have already purchased the Red Sanford pick that I took prior to the Georgia-Notre Dame game. And now I also have a trio of shots in a limited edition that I took the day of the 2019 Georgia versus Georgia Tech game in Atlanta. So if you're looking to add some cool new photos to your office or your Georgia room, head on over and check them out. I'll put the direct link in the show notes of this episode. And that'll do it for this show. Make sure you subscribe because in addition to our normal scheduled recordings, there will be some spotlight series coming your way this offseason. So keep a lookout for those as well. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a good week and we'll see you on campus. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>